Duke is a huge rivalry for y'all, and it's coming up as your last game in conference play. That's going to be crazy. Um, that game is going to be was, huge. Going to be huge. <laughs> what, what was your first experience with that rivalry like? How is that? Yeah, so Duke is a completely different team than they were last year. So last year we beat them twice. Not to brag, but um, something. <laughs> something. But we beat them twice, and seeing their growth and seeing how much of a different team they are, even regardless of having a lot of the same players, you know, they brought in a few mm-hmm. transfers. But I think it's definitely made it even more fun for for obviously the men's side is the men's side, but for us, I yeah. think it's just made it a lot more exciting and a lot more to look forward to. Um, so that first game we had this year was insane. That we had a sold mm-hmm. out student section that was the first in program history so like just doing things like that just seeing how important that rivalry is and how you know it's living up to the expectations as well on the women's side as well as the men's I think that's just exciting and just makes those games even more fun you know we always say we hate Duke and they hate us so it's like we 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 play like it Welcome back to Sometimes I Hoop. I'm your host, Haley Jones. Humble brag, number one recruit, class of 2019, Natty Champ, most outstanding player of the Final Four, preseason All-America first team. But this isn't about V. The Carolina Blue is making its debut on the pod today. We have McDonald's All-American, 1,000-point club score, first team All-ACC, certified bucket, North Carolina's very own Deja Kelly. Thanks for hopping on the pod. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Hearing all your accolades, I, those are definitely my goals. So <laughs> I'm like, wow. But no, thanks for having me on. Oh, of course. Um, okay, so we'll just kind of hop into what's going on right now, the landscape. So our season is winding down already. We're both upperclassmen. I feel like this season has flown by, like we're out of the kind of the COVID years and everything like that. But how are you feeling headed into these last couple of games before the ACC tournament? Yeah, I don't think it's fully hit me yet that season is kind of like it's almost March and like that's insane. It definitely has flown by, but I think um, definitely closing in on the ACC tournament, it's exciting. It's a lot of different emotions um, just because, you know, that's when it's really important. And these last few games of league player, probably the most important, um, just, you know, determining what seed and if we get a double buy, just things like that. Um, so I think it's just a lot of excitement, though, all around. Um, not really nervous yet, but mm-hmm. um, I think just, yeah, more excited than anything. For sure. I mean, you mentioned kind of like there's kind of expectations and pressure with these last few games and what it means for seating in the conference tournament, but also the NCAA tournament. I know for us, we dropped games to USC and most recently Washington, and it definitely makes a difference in how we approach that next game. Like coming out to Arizona, we knew it was going to be crazy, this and that. But do you feel kind of any sense of urgency to win out ACC conference play to get the right seeds that you want? Yeah, for sure. So like we dropped two games this past week um, mm-hmm. to non-ranked teams. So it's like, it, it, granted, we're down three starters. Um, so mm-hmm. that definitely takes a toll. But regardless, it's just like, okay, proceeding because our goal, you know, on the opposite side of y'all is we're, we're trying to host. Um, we're we're mm-hmm. um, trying to get that seed that um, being the top 16. So that's like our goal and that's what we're pushing for. So there is definitely a little more sense of urgency um, within these past few games, just because we know they'll mean a lot more for that seating and determining whether yeah. we host or not. Um, so yeah, that, I think that's definitely something we're all looking at, especially me. I'm like, that's the goal. We'd love to have the first mm-hmm. two rounds here in Carmichael. So we will see. 
but yeah. Yeah. I mean, hosting is a completely different experience. Like having that home crowd behind you. I love away games because like running out and hearing a boo, it gets me hyped. But like yep. in the tournament, you want to have that safety net. Like yeah. you want to be home. <laughs> you want to have that crowd. It's definitely That's different. It. But, you know, there's a lot of teams who kind of came out from under the radar this year. Like the arc of the season has been crazy. And I know a lot of teams who start out unranked are now in the top 15. But like, what have you been thinking about the landscape of women's basketball and just the ups and downs, the upsets this year across all conferences? What has that been like? It's been insane. There's, it's literally been a whole roller coaster just watching, you know, the rankings and just watching these mm -hmm. games, how close they are, who upsets who, like, Things like that, I think, is definitely it, it obviously shows growth of the women's game because usually you have like the set, you know, top maybe 10 schools who are, you know, always elite and always at the top. But it's like yeah. we have, you know, no knock, but like even y'all, like y'all, y'all getting beat in conference. It's just like conference mm -hmm. play, I think, is just really hard and, and everyone's setting up their preseason schedule really well, too. So I think that it's fun to watch, but it's also like, you, you're going to get everyone's best at any time and you never know. Um, so like even seeing team, like in our conference, seeing like Duke, they're yeah. the highest ranked, I think, in our league. And it's like they weren't ranked coming into the season. And that was a huge surprise for us as well because we we're like, you know, we didn't think they did that well last year. And, and mm -hmm. just seeing, you know, the, the growth and development that they've made, that's pretty cool to see as well, just being a part of that too. So I think the growth has definitely been amazing on the women's side. It's been crazy. And like you mentioned, teams like Duke who have been under the radar and it's kind of like in these last few seasons have kind of picked up pace. And I think last year was disappointing for them. But now, like you said, they're the highest ranked team in the ACC. NC State just fell out of the rankings. I was like, are you, like they started yeah. off top 10. That right. was crazy. But like just different teams stepping up, but also different players. And I feel like in the ACC, there's been a lot of sleeper players really step up during league play. Has anyone in particular kind of caught your eye? Oh man, there's a few. Mm -hmm. I think one that is really has really been impressive to me all season really is Tanai Latson from Florida State, mm -hmm. a freshman, um, and has basically given all the teams buckets. I think so. It's <laughs> like you know we can't really do anything with that. She's definitely my pick for freshman of the year. Um, mm -hmm. Could be in the talks for player of the year as well. But yeah, and she's definitely you know put Florida State back on the map. Them being, I think they're ranked top twenty. I think. Um, yeah. Still, like just her being able to put that team on her back as well, just as a freshman, I think that's pretty, pretty impressive, um, especially in ACC. Which ACC team has been giving people trouble, like deserves more credit than what they're getting? What's your sleeper pick in the ACC right now? I think I would say Miami. Um, mm. We lost to Miami, which obviously I'm not happy about, but um I think they've really been giving everyone a good game, whether they uh, won or lost. I think they maybe had one bad loss that was like a blowout, but other than that, they were kind. Of, they were pretty hard to play, and and you mm -hmm. know they just all play super hard. They're really aggressive defensively. They got a few new faces, and yeah, I would say Miami. I think they're kind of in the middle. I want to say we might honestly be tied with them in the league, but um, yeah, they they've been giving people some problems, and I think that they're going to come and get some sneaky wins within the past uh, few games. So I'll be excited to see that. Yeah, Miami's been on the rise recently. Like, I get the score updates and everything. Yep. And even with, like, your game, and they played a lot of people close. I'm like, yeah. this, like, they're consistently doing well. And I know last year they made that run in the AC tournament, too. So I'm intrigued for more upsets. But, like, you mentioned it, the ACC has been on a rise. I feel like in recent years, just the amount of teams in the rankings, like, your junior class at North Carolina has really 
brought you guys back onto the map with you, Alyssa and Kennedy have really been the pillars of that program. So with all three of you guys, when you guys are all healthy, you're all getting buckets out there hooping. What about that mix do you think makes you guys unstoppable? Like what about that chemistry? I think just the fact that we've been able to build it, you know, since we got here, you know, a lot of teams have Mm -hmm. multiple players. We had five, (laughs) five in that class. And I think just us being able to learn each other, you know, in off season and summer and, um, and then just playing together. Cause as freshmen, we all had to come in and make an impact right away, basically. So it was like, we were able to grow that experience together, make those freshman mistakes together and just learn what each other needs from each other on and how we can lead each other, how we can help each other bring our best. And I think that's kind of what has built our chemistry even stronger, especially now as, as the upperclassmen, we've just been able to play off each other so well because we know how each other plays. We know each other's games pretty well by now. So Mm -hmm. And just obviously the chemistry off the court has definitely helped that. Um, just knowing what each other needs. Personally, the upperclassmen, we've had to grow just as leaders um, a lot, which has definitely had its ups and downs. But I'll speak for me personally. I think, you know, we have a lot of young guys. We have, um, I don't even know how many, a lot. <laughs> a lot of uh, young rookies, freshmen, red shirts. It's been difficult to try to learn how to lead them. I'll also, you know, trying to stay on our game and just trying to figure it out, just kind of intertwining the two. But I think we've done a pretty good job so far, especially now with um, three starters out. I think we've, we've mm-hmm. needed them more than ever. So just trying to be that positive voice for them to, so they know like we need you, but we, I also understand the position you're in, but I just, you know, yeah. whatever you need from me, let me help you, you know, help us basically. And I think that's definitely been the change from preseason to, now the end of conference play, um, just them stepping up more, I think has definitely helped us just because we have that, you know, these young gritty players who are ready to help in any way they can. And um, just as us upperclassmen, it's only me and Kennedy right now that are uh, playing. Mm-hmm. So just us trying to learn how to lead them in the best way that we can to um, help us pull out these even bigger wins now. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it, it's, it gets to be intense at the end of ACC play. The upset's just Virginia over NC State crazy but like just the amount of insane and like the amount of good games I know South Carolina and LSU it's crazy how many viewers there were in that game or like Indiana and Iowa it was sold out like what do you think about just the viewership levels going up just how much hype there are about these games like I open up my TikTok and I'm scrolling through all these predictions isn't that like it's crazy to see right it is insane. It's so awesome to see that at the same time, just, you know, seeing the growth, see how many people are talking about it. I'm watching a men's game and they're promoting the LSU mm-hmm. South Carolina game. So I think just little things like that, it's like, this is a huge growth steps for us. And this is, we're just, it shows that we're moving in the right direction as far as women's college basketball and, and so forth. But like sold out crowds, we've had our first sold, uh, sellout in Carmichael mm-hmm. in years. So like little things like that, I think, it just shows how special women's basketball is and how much we're on the rise and how much more um, people are paying attention and and really invested and really want to watch and really just want to help us grow as well. Um, So that's just exciting to see. And and I know it'll continue to grow. I'm I'm excited to see, you know, the the viewership that we'll have and for the tournament. Um, I know that those numbers are going to be crazy. So, Um, but yeah, it's, it's just really, really um, exciting to see. No, for sure. And I mean, we talked a little bit about the ACC and just the top five teams and the top 15, this and that, but we've been having this conference debate 
who has the best conference? Me personally, I'm obviously biased towards the Pac-12. However, I really am interested to see what you think because everybody's been like, if you're from the SEC, that's the best. Big Ten, that's the best. But what's your take? So I am biased as well. And I think mm. a lot of people would agree with me. I'll just say this. But I think the ACC is number one. I have okay. the Pac-12 at two. Mm. I personally think the SEC has had a bit of a drop-off. That's oh, just the my team. take. That is just okay, my take. take. You know, with um, South Carolina and LSU obviously being just so dominant in that mm-hmm. uh, league, I think that, you know, kind of after that, it's like... Oh, a little bit of a drop. So I think it's a big difference. It's it's a it's a big difference, I think, in that okay. league. Um, and I think the Big 12 is has taken a drop as well. But, okay, okay. You know, so I would say the ACC and the Pac-12 have definitely separated mm. themselves. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't really know where to rank that. I think the Big Ten is third. I think the Big Ten is definitely yeah. a, has been a really good, consistent conference. Um, they just all, yeah, they all. Utah, it was a team that I didn't, I had no, or well, it's Pac twelve, but I knew that mm-hmm. they're a team mm-hmm. that I had no clue um, was they're even tough. good. I was like, what? And I've seen them in the top ten. I think the past like three weeks, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I have to watch them play, and I have yet to see them play. But I, I have the ACC, Pac twelve. Big time. That's my take. Okay. I love, I love, I love the hot take. Okay. So I get, I'm understanding the Big Ten. Like they've been on the rise. Indiana, Iowa, crazy. Just Michigan, everybody. I know for us, the Pac-12, we're just so amazing. You know, for us in Utah to just be 3-4, UCLA, Arizona, Colorado, the list just goes on. But why the ACC? Why Why is ACC number one for you? What sets it apart? Um, I think you can see just the level of, you know, you never know who's going to win. I think we have mm. three people or two people tied for first, three tied for second, four, including us, tied for third and fourth. Like, mm-hmm. it's just I think everyone has more than one loss. And I think it's grown in a way because, you know, last year NC State was so dominant that they were, you know, they were at the top. And then the year before that, it was Louisville who went or yeah, the year before that when Dana Evans was there and they were yeah. just very dominant. So I think now us, I think we've just grown and we've just gotten so many good players. And I think the ACC is a league of guards. Um, so mm-hmm. it's a lot of really good guard play. And um, like with the additions of Tania Latson and Olivia, Olivia Miles coming into her own, I think for Notre Dame. Yeah. And um, I think just seeing that, that's definitely made us a lot more versatile and a lot more competitive and, Everyone can have a night. Um, it, yeah, I, I don't think you're safe in the ACC, basically. There's not one team that's just, you know, dominating. But in a way, all teams are dominating in their own way. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I get that. I feel like that's how the pack is as well. It's every given night you got to come ready to play because you never know. And it's just like you have that target on your back. Like you guys are a, one of the top teams in the country. So every night when these teams come out, they not may not be ranked. They're at the bottom of the ACC. They're going to be like, this is our opportunity to show why we should be in the tournament, why we should be this seed X, Y, Z. But kind of taking it back a little bit to your basketball origins, the roots, just kind of tell me about what got you into basketball. Why was it basketball? What brought you to it? And what made it for you be like, this is the real deal. This is what I want to pursue. Yeah, I would say my parents. My dad played um, college basketball at Texas, at the University of Texas, where I originally committed for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then he played overseas for, I think, like 13, 14 years. And then my mom played college basketball as well. And then obviously she was a coach. And she kind of pushed me to play basketball. And I mostly just wanted to play because my dad played. And even though she was a coach, so she kind of took offense to that until I was mm-hmm. like, okay, 
I'll play. So she kind of got me started like at three or four. And then she started a team for me. And I was maybe like kindergarten, first grade. Uh, and then ever since then, she was kind of just training me. And it was when I got to about fifth, sixth grade where I was like, okay, this is something that, you know, I want to do long term. I want to set goals for myself for, for basketball. Like, uh, this is something that I can see myself being pretty good at. And then if I really try, if I really put in the work and that's kind of when I set my goals and, you know, made a dream board of, you know, WNBA, getting my first offer by hopefully eighth grade, um, mm-hmm. being a McDonald's All-American and Jordan Brand All-American, all those things. And that that was when I really was like, okay, this is something I want to pursue. And this is something that I'm going to make a lot of sacrifices for and that I'm willing to. So that's kind of how I got into it. And then my mom coached and trained me ever since all through high school. And she got me to where I am. So that's amazing. I need to hear more about this dream board. So did you like write it out? Did you create a poster board? What? Tell me the setup. I made a poster board. Um, I think okay. I was in fourth, maybe fifth grade. It was a poster board. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's probably on Google somewhere if you look it up. <laughs> I will be Googling. I'm, I'm sure you will. Um, but yeah, and I just, I literally like printed out pictures of like what I wanted, like a dream house and a dream car and a picture mm-hmm. of the WNBA logo and McDonald's All-American. And um, I had the University of Texas on there because that's where I originally wanted to go. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I had all those things on there and it was just like, I had to visualize and I've just always been a very goal oriented um, person. And I know that when I, you know, set those goals out, put my mind to it, work towards them, that it works out for me because I know that I'm working towards something that I really want. I usually don't stop till till I get it. So yeah, making a dream board mm-hmm. that young at, at such an early age, I think was definitely a stepping stone for me and just my maturation going into middle school, high school with on and off the court with basketball and, you know, in school, just making those goals for myself and then knowing that each and every day that I had to work towards them. So yeah, the dream board was definitely my stepping stone, even though it wasn't mm-hmm. very pretty at the time, but yeah. It did what it needed to do. I mean, here you are accomplishing McDonald's All-American on your way to the league, doing all these amazing things at UNC. Like visualization is a powerful thing. And being goal oriented from such a young age is, that's amazing. I feel like I was not that goal oriented <laughs> when I was younger. I was just out there going to the beach, doing this and that. Okay, I'll hoop here and there. But that's right. amazing. Thanks. I love that. I love that. And you mentioned, you know, originally wanting to go with Texas. You committed there in the seventh grade. What led to that early commitment? Was it your dad playing there? Was it something else? Kind of how was that process? Yeah, it was mostly my dad playing there and I was just always around the school. So because he played there, I would go to a lot of games. It was an hour from San Antonio. So it was an easy drive. Um, So Mm -hmm. I would, you know, go to basketball games, go to football games, just be around all the time. And I was like, this, I'm in love with this place. How can I not? My dad went here. It's just very family. Mm -hmm. Like it's so close to home. So as soon as they offered me in seventh grade, I was like, oh, I'm taking it. Like I am going here. This is the place I'm going to go. Done deal. And of course, I got a lot of backlash for it. But I was like, I'm 13. Like, how are y'all mad at me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, so it, it was just that kind of thing. And, you know, as I got older and got to see more and got to kind of just explore a little more options, I was like, okay, let me take a step back. You were 13, girl. Like, come on. <laughs> so I had oh, to, no. Yeah. So I had to just, you know, I was like, okay, I just want to explore my options. And that's when I decommitted, I think, going into my junior year. Um, and that just opened up a lot more doors for me. Texas was still an option, but, um, you know, I, that's when I started to understand, you know, the level of what I was trying to play at and and the things that I was trying to accomplish at that time. And um, 
that led me to North Carolina now. Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of courage to decommit from a school after seventh grade to junior year. Yeah, I'm sure. Like the internet backlash, social media, just everybody having opinions. Especially like you said, like you're 13. Like, why you hate? Like, why are you sending me hate mail when I'm 13 years old? It's crazy. Yeah, but I mean, it takes a lot of courage and strength to do that. And I'm sure you know playing AAU for a predominant team like the Jason Terry AAU program that he has and getting coached by these basketball legends and your mom being an amazing coach, did AAU and competing against the best and having other colleges, did that have kind of something to do with your reopening of your commitment? Was there a tournament that put you on the map and you were like, okay, I want to reopen this? What kind of led to that decision? I think that it was probably when I started playing Nike um, mm-hmm. on the EYBL circuit. I think that kind of played a part into it just because I was like, I, I saw myself you know, getting better and better each year. And, and I, even though, you know, that freshman year, um, summer, I was still committed to Texas, but I was kind of like, okay, like, I feel like I'm, you know, I, I'm selling myself short if I don't at least explore and at least you make sure that this is the best decision for me. And so then after sophomore summer, I had a, a pretty good summer and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I think, I think I just need to explore and um, just make sure that I'm making the right decision and just make sure that there's nothing else out there that, that I could be missing or that, you know, could benefit me in a lot of different ways. Um, so, and mm-hmm. that's kind of when I got into, you know, I had my mind made up on me wanting a major in broadcast journalism too. So I was like, okay, I, I knew Texas had a good, you know, background with that, but I, I was also like, this is something I really want to get serious about. Let me do more research. Um, so that, that played a part into it as well. That eventually led to the decommitment, which was extremely hard. But like I said, mm-hmm. Texas was still an option when I did open my recruitment back up. So yeah. And then it kind of, everything else fell into place since then. Yeah. I mean, it all worked out. You chose North Carolina, which has seemed like it's been an amazing place for you. Why North Carolina? Like it kind of just came into the picture, all these different things. How did that work? Why did you end up choosing there? Yeah. So North Carolina was actually the very last school to recruit me. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. The summer mm-hmm. um, going into my senior year, it was like August. So it was already after the summer was over. I already kind of had my mind made up on like at least the top five, six. And I was like, okay, like now I got to figure out when I'm going to visit. And mm-hmm. um, Coach Banghart, she had just got the job, I think that May or June um, of that summer. Mm-hmm. And I kind of knew of her from Princeton, but I, you know, I never even looked North Carolina's way. Um, mm-hmm. So she called me and and I was just like, I don't, like I was telling my mom, I was like, no, like I already we already did yeah. all this research on all these other schools. Like there's no point of adding another. And she's like, at least listen to what she has to say. So she called me and I think we talked for maybe about an hour, hour and a half. And she just kind of laid the whole, you know, plan out how she came to North Carolina to not only challenge herself as a coach, but to just better their program and bring the program back to the national map. It was, it was once on. Um, mm-hmm. And the vision that she had for me was to, you know, basically help, build the program to that and just, you know, build around me and have me be a big impact on, you know, the team success and, and the program success eventually. And that was something that I wanted to do. You know, I wanted, I had the the bigger schools on me that, you know, I could have came and been a part of, you know, a winning program from jump, like off rip and mm-hmm. just been another, a part of that. But I, I wanted to go to a school where I knew that I was going to, have solely an impact and um, be 
a huge part of, of the ongoing success and be the part of a rebuild. Um, mm-hmm. and that's, that's what I wanted to do. And that's what I was really focused on. And that's the discussion that me and coach Banghart had, and she could eventually convince me to take a visit. And I did, and I fell in love uh, instantly. And I was so mad that I did, but I was like, I can't like it. And then they have the number one broadcast journalism school here. So I think that definitely played a part. And I was like, Oh, it's a no brainer. But, um, yeah, I think the biggest thing was just the vision that me and coach Banghart talked about going into the recruiting process, because I was like, that's exactly what I wanted. I want to do, you know, I want my, I want to leave a legacy from wherever I go. And I think I can Mm -hmm. definitely do that in North Carolina. And I think she will definitely be a big help to help me do that as well as just becoming a better person and a a better, you know, journalist and things like that. So there's a lot that played into it, but the main thing was, you know, just me leaving a legacy and knowing I can leave a legacy somewhere and build the program back up. Yeah. I mean, that's something special and it takes a special type of person to, you know, come from high school and you're, you're on a winning team and then you got to go somewhere and rebuild. Like that's hard. And, you know, to take that chance on yourself, bet on yourself, do all that. It's, it's special. I talked to Coach Banghart at Princeton a little bit, and she's a character. She's got energy, <laughs> charisma, like the first time yes. you talk to her. And so I'm just imagining, like, you can talk to that woman for two hours, and it's just quick. Never so, run out of things to talk about. <laughs> never, never. And so, you know, she's an amazing person. I can see why, you know, you believe in her when you go there, and it's like, we're going to make it happen, and you have, which is the payoff has been awesome. And UNC has kind of been one of those pillar programs historically, and you guys did bring them back on the map because for a few years they were kind of down and out. But yeah. with you and that core group that you've brought in, you guys have brought it back onto the map, right? And so when you're stepping into that freshman year, new coach, you're the new kid on campus, this and that, like we said, it's a historical program. How was it handling those expectations, stepping into that, those first few games of your freshman year? It was definitely tough. It was not easy. It's not, has not been an easy process. You know, freshman year, I, we had five freshmen coming into the team with a lot of older seniors and grad um, transfers. So it was like, whoa, (laughs) I'm like, this is something Mm -hmm. we have to kind of live up to. We have, we had Stephanie Watts who came back that year, um, who was already at Carolina. So it was like, this is kind of what we're looking up to. And that first year was not easy. You know, we went from hoping like, having to be like, we have to win this game in order to make this tournament, like mm-hmm. those type of feelings. And like I said, uh, us three freshmen, me, Kennedy and Alyssa, we had to come in right away and we didn't really have a chance to be freshmen. Like we didn't have time yeah. to, you know, really go through those mistakes and really be like, okay, well, we'll figure it out later. We'll work on it in the summer. Like, no, like we had to come in mm-hmm. and, and make an impact right away. And it was, that was definitely hard, but it was something that we are thankful for now because it's like, if we hadn't went through, those struggles then, then we wouldn't have been able to build ourselves into what we are now. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and then that goes to sophomore year last year, you know, we, to us almost being a team to host. And, um, now this year, you know, we're, we're on the verge of hosting. So I think you can just see that, that those growth steps and, um, the growth of the program just within the past three years, which is really exciting, but it definitely has not been an easy process. And, Mm-hmm. You know, now being an upperclassman, now having younger ones who I was in that position and having to help them through it and um, help them help us the best that they can. I think it's just been a really beautiful process to see and to be a part of. Um, and yeah, I'm excited for us to do a lot more. I know we have a lot more work to do, but yeah, it's it's just been, I think it's definitely a, 
a story that um, will go down in history for Carolina. I mean, freshman year is hard. And like you said, playing immediately and having that expected of you to be an impact player is difficult. I mean, I know for myself, I came in and Tara said, okay, no one through four by halfway through summer. I said, all four positions understood. And like, it's hard. It's an entire new system. You're playing with these upperclassmen. Like you said, play like Stephanie Watts, like an all ACC performer and this, that, and the third. It's difficult to come and find your role. Is there, as you look back on your freshman year, which now is just so long ago, is is there like a tough game or a tough film session that you could remember that is just like burned into your mind? Oh gosh. I think I would say probably the first round of the ACC tournament freshman year, we -hmm. lost to Wake Forest and we had played them already twice that year. And we, (laughs) they, I think it was like two years before that they, the North Carolina hadn't, um, won in the first round or made it past the first round in the ACC tournament and for a few years. So it was like, okay, that pressure. Mm-hmm. Now we're, we're going to make it past the first round. We were like, okay, Wake Forest beat us twice already that year. We were like, there's no way that they could beat us a third time. <laughs> like that's hard to do. And I think, you know, just as a freshman, like obviously this is what I wanted to take on, you know, with picking the school that I did, I, I wanted to take on that pressure. I wanted to take on that responsibility, but I think that game is definitely like, like when I hear about it, it's like, okay, can you mm, not? Like, you yeah. yeah. I'm like, so um, just because of how hard it was and how that game was kind of the turning point of whether we knew if we we're going to make the tournament or not. And we were like, okay, we lost. Can we still make it? We don't know. Um, we don't really have anything to prove, right? It's because we already lost. We don't have any more games to play. But I think that game was definitely also um, a turning point for us underclassmen then because we were like, okay, we know that this is not, you know, something that we want to repeat. This is not a consistent thing. We are definitely not, you know, we're making it a thing to just give our best and knowing that knowing what it takes to win in the ACC is really hard. And I think that's what we learned too that freshman year. Um, But I would say that specific game where it was like, uh, Wake Forest, Mm -hmm. like really? So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, I still have those games. It's it's a sore spot and it never really leaves. But I mean, you guys made so Sweet 16 that year. The year afterwards, I mean, you're moving and grooving. You're playing South Carolina, this and that. You lost the game, but you still had a great individual performance. How did that last season now kind of fuel you moving into this year? You know, you have expectations this year. You're ranked in the top 25 from week one, this and the third. How has it been kind of using that momentum? It's been really um, exciting. I think that was that South Carolina game was definitely a turning point, not only for me, but just for the team, um, just because mm-hmm. we realized, you know, how good we can be. You know, we only lost one um, senior that played and um, and Carly being our point guard. But I think, you know, we knew that we were returning everyone else. So we were like, I want everyone to be extremely proud of like how we perform. Yes, it hurt. It's going to hurt for a while that we lost, but knowing that this was what we were bringing back and that we made it that far with the group that we have. I think that was definitely encouraging, especially going in the summer. Um, mm-hmm. And we already had that chemistry. We are, we, you know, we were a young group. We started four sophomores last year and um, you know, so we knew we were young, but we also knew that that was definitely, we could only, you know, move forward and only build on, on uh, off of that. And for me, I was like, okay, this is going to be a huge summer for you. This is going to be, 
this next year is going to be a huge year for you, just knowing the goals that you have set for myself and as well as for the team. You know, our goal is to make it to get to the final four. It's in Dallas. So mm-hmm. hometown, basically, mm-hmm. kind of. So it's like but right there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So um, just having those ex- expectations and just really locking into the, the main goals that we have. I think, you know, after us making it to the Sweet 16 and playing how we did, that's when everyone's mentality started to shift. So now it's not our goals aren't to just make the tournament. Our goals aren't to, you know, hopefully make it past the first round. Now our goals are to make it to the final four win a national championship, win an ACC championship. And that wasn't the talk before, you know, freshman year was like, okay, let's try to make the tournament. Let's try to win past the first round. So I think, you know, you can just hear and see the mental shift that we all had um, as a young group. And that definitely is showing this year just because, you know, we just have a different mentality. It's not because we know that now we have built ourselves to be one of the top teams in the country. So now we have to act like it and act accordingly. Yes, demand a certain level of respect now, which is, it's cool to see that your goals are able to change from year to year being from first round to, okay, sweet 16. And now this year, it's like, you can make a final four. So why not act like that? You demand that respect whenever those teams are going through your scanning report and they're like, okay, how are we going to stop Deja? Not only Deja, now we got to stop Alyssa. You got to stop mm-hmm. Kennedy. There's so many different weapons that you have, yeah. which is which is crazy in this short amount of time that you guys have made those leaps. But you mentioned this was a big summer for you. What were the biggest things that you worked on in this off season preparing for a big run this year? Honestly, my strength. I know it's not, it's, not, it doesn't look like I did, <laughs> which I've gotten a lot of comments on, but it's like, but mm-hmm. um, I just feel, you know, I can, I knew how many times I get a lot of contact. You know, I pride myself in really getting to the free throw line a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So just being able to take that contact and really finishing through it and being able to handle how I do and with, you know, someone who's trying to guard me 94 feet, I think just things like that, that's something I was really focused on. And honestly, it was more off the court stuff. It was more so my leadership, um, well, Mm -hmm. on the court as well. But I think that was something that I really, you know, knew I had to take on and really, you know, dove into because I knew that we were getting a young group. Um, And I knew that with us juniors now being the upperclassmen, it was like, now I have to, like, I have no choice but to use my voice now and but to try to lead not only that example, but with my voice and whether that looks like you know, talking really positive with someone or if that means getting, you know, cousin someone out, you know, who mm-hmm. can take what. But I think just figuring that out and figuring out that balance um, as well as performing and as well as giving my team everything I have, trying to lead them as well. That was the most thing that the main thing that I was focused on in the summer and trying to do that summer workouts and off season um, just to try to build everyone else's confidence along with mine as well. Leadership is huge. Learning how to interact with everybody on your team because you have a team of like 15 girls and everybody is completely different. You can yell at some people and some people you got to talk to individually because they're going to shut down. And it's like, okay, (laughs) you know, that chemistry off the court is huge, not only for how you play with each other in the moment, but like moving through the ups and downs of the seasons. There's going to be rough days where you're like, I don't want to be here. There's going to be days where you're tired of the coaches. You have an upsetting loss, whatever it may be. But being able to fall back on those relationships that you've created as a leader are huge. Moving off the court a little bit, NIL has been huge for both of us, for women's basketball, for women's sports, for everybody, really. What has NIL meant to you? What has that process been like? I know it's been different for everybody with agents, deals being signed, this and that, but when did it get real for you? I think it got real for me when um, I was able to 
provide for my family. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, and just help them in ways that I couldn't even imagine doing two years ago at the age of 20, 21. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that NIL has just been a blessing, just being able to, you know, really capitalize on my brand and, and everything that I have worked so hard for in the years before, just, you know, trying to build my brand, trying to build my name and it finally coming into play and me being able to, you know, succeed off of it, I think has definitely been amazing. And just seeing all other athletes being able to capitalize on that as well. It's like, this is such a huge growth step and we're moving in the right direction, but it's like Mm -hmm. for us to now be able to, you know, just provide in different ways, you know, everyone has different, different backgrounds, different stories, but um, it's definitely been beneficial in all sorts of different ways for everybody, which I think is just very um, encouraging to see. But for me, um, yeah, I think just being able to, to provide and just being able to help out and just being able to give back um, to my community to, you know, hosting my first um, DK 25 camp. That was mm-hmm. amazing. That was something that I didn't think I would be doing anytime soon um, until, yeah. and, until NIL. So just being able to do things like that, I think is truly a blessing because while you're still in school, while you're still a collegiate athlete, literally while you're still playing and going to class and mm-hmm. having to worry about all the things a regular student athlete would, you're also allowed to give back and you're also allowed to, you know, give back in ways that most people have to wait till they get to the league or in the NBA, at WNBA and yeah. things like that. So um, I think it's just truly been a, been a blessing overall. I saw your DK25 camp, <laughs> like being able to interact with the next generation at such a young age where you're really still able to like relate to them and then being able to like tangibly be around you and get to know you and ask questions, do this and that just does such an impact to them that I don't even know if I still understand, but it's so powerful. And I feel like NIL has given us the platform to speak on issues, to advocate, to give back, to be that role model for people all across the country, across the world, really. I think that something that's been a little bit of conversation has just been the NIL space for Black women, what it's been like across the country. How how has your process been being a Black woman in this space, being signing these huge deals, like having partners like Beats, Dunkin' Donuts, Forever 21. Like I see all this stuff on like Instagram and Twitter and I just get so excited. Like from an outside perspective, like anybody signing these big deals, I'm just like so just in awe, so happy for people, this and that. And I know that people are feeling the exact same way whenever I post, whatever it may be. But how has it been like navigating this space? It has not been easy, but it's definitely been super fun just being able to learn about different things as well. Just mm-hmm. more about myself too, like what I like, what I value. And that's kind of what I, how I look at it. And whenever I look at getting a new deal or what, like, really, is it okay? Is it true to my values? Is it true to mm-hmm. what I believe in? Is it true to what I want to do down the road? Are they going to, you know, compromise with me as far as, okay, if, if we do this, then I want to give back to this. Like just things like that. I think it's just learning mm-hmm. a lot. But definitely just being a, a Black female, um, I think it's definitely had allowed me to see a different perspective, you know, signing with actively Black. I think I've just mm-hmm. learned a lot just alone in that deal. And, and it's just, it feels really empowering to be able to represent um, or be a, a, the first women's collegiate athlete to represent the the brand. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it just it just means so much more, like I said, and it just, it opens a lot more doors down the line as well. But you know, and just being with Forever 21, that was that was probably one of my favorite partnerships just because it preached, you know, being comfortable, being you, being comfortable in yeah. your own skin, no matter how you look, no matter what your skin color is, no matter, 
you know, anything. I think that was the main message of, of the partnership. And I was so happy to be a part of it because that's, that's what I value. That's what I preach. You know, I'm comfortable in being, you know, being black and being very feminine off the court mm-hmm. and having my lashes and nails done while I'm playing like things like that. Yep. I think that um, definitely just sent the right message. And um, so just being able to be a part of partnerships like that and being able to be a part of brands that respect the values that you have as well. Um, I think it's just, it's been super, super cool and blessed to be a part of them. It's special to be able to like be who you are off the court. Yeah. And what that does for the people looking up to you is seeing that you're creating this space for them to be able to follow in our footsteps and just be like, yeah, we can do this and this on the court and we can dress this type of way off the court and still sign these amazing deals, speak on this issue, that issue, whatever it may be. But I feel like it's starting to hit me now, the impact that you have on those younger generations, just creating the space for them, right? Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of backlash and criticism about that across the country for, I feel like a lot of it's about hoopers having the lashes, the nails, your hair, this and that, mm. but it's just how you want to present yourself. What do you think about the criticism when it comes to that? Like, oh, you're less of a hooper, this and that. What are your thoughts? I think the criticism is trash. Um, I mm-hmm. think it's people who have nothing better to do than criticize people, but uh, Mm -hmm. it's always been something that I've kind of just loved doing ever since high school, ever since middle school, really. Like I've always had to have my hair in a very, you know, put together either ponytail Mm -hmm. or bun and my nails had to be done. I started getting my nails done in eighth grade. So I don't think I've never not had them done since then. And it's always Mm -hmm. been acrylics. People hate it. They say I scratch them, but like, Oh, well, um, I know, yeah, I know they're, they're rounded. I don't be scratching anyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, whatever y'all are lying, but, um, it's just something I take pride in because it's something that I'm really passionate about off the court. I love any time that I can, you know, put a dress on, put some heels on, get cute. Like I'll get mm-hmm. cute just to go to like the store just because, because, you know, I'm always in sweats and a Jersey half of the time. But yeah, yeah I think that the message is females should just be able to appear how they want to appear on the court and know that you know at the end of the day whether we have lashes nails hair done like we still give your favorite team 30 so it's like that's the mentality that we have and it's I think that's the mentality that we all have because it's like okay why are you worried about how I'm wearing my hair why are you worried about if I have lashes on when like regardless like I'm doing what I got to do on the court it doesn't make me any less of a hooper than whoever else so um, it's definitely something I take pride in that I'm really happy to see a lot more females take pride in and, and not care about what people have to say about it. So yeah, I, I've even heard like some coaches like get mad about nails. Yeah. And, yeah. So I, yeah, I could never. So I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that it's just like, you're worried about the wrong things. What you should right. be worried about is how you're going to scout me, how you're going to do this and that rather exactly. than what my hair looks like this day, what color mm-hmm. my nails are, this and that, because they're going to be done. My lashes are going to be done. Right. And just because I choose to present myself in a certain way, like I'm the same thing. I love wearing a dress. I love doing this and yeah. that just for the fun of it. Because like you said, we're in sweats 90% of the time. I'm in my practice jerseys. I'm doing Literally. this and that. So it's like, I'm not trying to wear that 24 seven. Exactly. I'm not, but I couldn't agree more with your opinion on it. And I mean, it's really kind of like a treating yourself thing too. Like I'm going to go do something nice for myself. It's like a little self care. Let me go get the nails done. Literally. And it's like, let me go take a quick nap for the lashes. Yes. Like I can't wait to go get my lashes done. Cause I'm like, let me go take my nap. Sit there for like an hour, hour and a half, Mm -hmm. whatever. Today was Mm -hmm. our day. I went to go get me a pedicure, got my nails done. So I'm like, (laughs) Like, this is something I take pride in, and it's very therapeutic for it me. Is. So if you want me to be, like, 
on a mental like spiral or have a breakdown like throughout the week, then I suggest you just let yeah. me go do what I got to do for self-care. hundred <laughs> percent. Like, let me go get my hair done, do my homework while I get my hair done. Like exactly. it's always something being done. It's the nap during the lashes. It's yeah. like the phone calls during the nails. There's exactly. something for everything. You stay efficient. Yep. But okay. As we wrap up here, we do a little segment called the vibe check, which is going to be rapid fire answers. Okay. I hope you're good at them. We had some trouble in the past oh, with, some of, with the rapid fire <laughs> portion of it. It's going to be good, I believe. Okay. okay, so here we go. What is the one drill you never want to see on the practice plan? Uh, probably the defensive slides, having a guard, our practice boys full court. Mm, sounds yeah. awful. It sounds awful already. <laughs> yeah, no, ma'am. Um, game-winning shot or game-winning steal? Game-winning shot. Yeah, duh. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> off the court, go-to sneaker. Oh, Probably Jordan Fours. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love Fours. Yeah. Okay, and then favorite team issued Jordans. Um, probably our sixes, our PEs that we got last year for the tournament. They were like the all Carolina blue with like a mm. cream lace. Yeah, okay. those are probably my favorite so far. Okay, sounds better than our running shoes we get. All right, <laughs> um, and one or three pointer. And one. Yep. Toughest place to play. Oh, man. See, this is where the rapid fire drops uh, off. <laughs> toughest place to play, probably um, NC State, because I, I hate their fans. So, okay. Yeah, uh, understood. Ice pack or ice bath? Uh, ice pack, for sure. Okay. <laughs> what is your biggest basketball ick? Uh, my biggest Probably when a defender is like, you know, they guard you good for like one good possession and then they mm. think that they just guarded you like really well the whole game. game. It's like, all right, girl, then please give me the ball back so I could just go to work real quick. That's probably mm. my biggest ache. And when they get all hype and I'm just like, hype down. That's my biggest yes, ache. I, <laughs> you, you have one time. You have yeah. one time. Yeah. Um, what is the college with the best facilities? Uh, how am I supposed to know that? You know, I'm just going to say mine. Because I, um, I'm biased. Mm. Yeah, we'll say that. Okay, okay. And then <laughs> what is your best impersonation of Coach Banghart? Oh, God. Babe, babe, I just need you to, you know, babe, come on. Like, you're better than that. Come on, babe. I just need she you says to, babe. I just need you to be, but yeah, she calls us babe in a very high-pitched voice. And we make fun of her for it all the time. It's like, babe, come on now, babe. I love that. <laughs> like, yeah, that has I to be my best. I love that. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> babe is crazy. Babe is crazy. Deja, this has been so fun. Thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking about all these things and just growing the women's game. It's fun. So thank you. Love it. Well, this has been Sometimes I Hoop. We will be back every week with a new guest following the latest on women's hoops. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Sometimes I Hoop. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Haley.Jones, that's no I and Haley, and three S's in Jones, to get all the Sometimes I Hoop content. You can also watch the episodes on the Players Tribune YouTube page. Thanks again for all your support. The Players Tribune.com.